1: This is an apostrophe podcast production.
0: This is We Regret to Inform You, The Rejection Podcast. They told us it would never work because adults wouldn't watch a show about little kids. Trey Parker. One afternoon in a sophomore film course, two students were irritating the rest of the class they were laughing uncontrollably at the back of the room. It was 1992 at the University of Colorado at Boulder, and Trey Parker and Matt Stone had become fast friends. What the budding filmmakers had come to learn was that film school was, at times, kinda boring. Lots of lectures, lots of waiting around on other people's sets. So to pass the time, they would do voices for each other, Characters that talked like little kids. But here's the kicker. They were foul-mouthed. By the end of the semester in December, student films were to be screened in front of the class. So the pair decided to shake things up and collaborate on a festive short film. They'd call it The Spirit of Christmas. They'd incorporate some of the usual holiday suspects, Frosty, Santa, the baby Jesus, but they'd also throw in some of their back row characters. Parker and Stone drew four 10 year old kids on construction paper. They'd be appropriately dressed Coloradoans, wearing mitts, trapper hats, and zipped up coats. Using stop motion on an eight millimeter camera, the pair voiced every character, including a demonic snowman, Then, just before the holiday break, their professor hit play on The Spirit of Christmas, and the entirety of the University of Colorado Film Department watched as four construction paper fourth graders dropped seven F-bombs. Parker says, truthfully, at best they just wanted to make some of their college buddies giggle. But as the credits rolled on their four-minute and four-second short film, something unexpected happened. The audience erupted with laughter and cheers. The animation was rough, the film was blurry, and the audio was low quality. But the writing was funny, and the concept of profane children was so absurd, it worked. By senior year, Trey Parker toyed with the idea of making his first feature-length film. It would be about the only convicted cannibal in U.S. history, Alfred Packer, also known as the Colorado Cannibal. So in 1993, Parker, Stone, and a couple of their friends founded a production company called The Avenging Conscience. They took out every filmmaking for dummies book available at the Boulder Public Library, sought all the free legal advice they could, raised a little seed money, and headed up the Colorado mountains to start rolling. Their masterpiece would be called Cannibal the Musical. Parker and Stone co-wrote, co-produced, and starred in the film. Parker was also the director and the self-described music buff and former choir singer. He wrote the score. They discovered on set that film school had taught them how cameras worked, about audio mixing and editing. But they knew nothing about the business side of filmmaking. What they'd quickly learn was that Trey Parker was the creative genius. Matt Stone was the big-picture businessman. Stone arranged screenings for Cannibal the Musical, First in Boulder, then come graduation day, Parker and Stone decided to pack up and take their indie film West to Hollywood. Parker and Stone set up a small screening in Los Angeles, and when the lights came up, a man approached them. His name was Brian Graydon, and he was an executive at Fox. He told them he was intrigued by their style. Cannibal the Musical wouldn't exactly be a runaway hit, but he liked the way they utilized pauses and rhythm. He said their comedy was observational and like nothing he'd ever seen before. So he told them to show him everything they'd done to date. And that's when Stone pulled out The Spirit of Christmas. Graydon almost fell over laughing, so he asked the duo if he could get a copy and send it to his friends as a sort of video Christmas card. Parker and Stone said, sure. So Graydon sent the short film to a production house. He had hundreds of VHS copies made, and his friends and family couldn't get enough. So... The following december Graydon commissioned a second video christmas card from parker and stone and offered to pay them two thousand dollars to produce it they were thrilled they'd create the second installment of the spirit of christmas this time it would be more polished than the first better quality with an undercurrent of political commentary tackling commercialism around the holidays they were ready to send their second short film to Graydon. But before they did, they added a little something. Just after the opening credits, they drew a little snow-covered wooden sign. It read, South Park. South Park would be a blustery, fictional, Coloradoan town and setting of Parker and Stone's construction paper creation. The pair inserted the sign into their short film because they thought, in the back of their minds, if their work ever had the potential to turn into a series, it would need a name. When Graydon watched the video, he was blown away. It was the single most hilarious piece of single-cell animation he'd ever seen. But he said he didn't know if he could send it to anybody this time, because it was probably too offensive. Graydon didn't want their hard work to go to waste, so he sent a copy to a select few of his closest friends only. But little did he know, hundreds of copies would soon be circulating Los Angeles, then thousands. Those select few friends of Graydon's made dozens more copies to send to their friends, and soon it appeared everyone along the West Coast had a copy. The Spirit of Christmas went viral before that word was ever used outside the medical field. Rumor had it, George Clooney had copied it 300 times. People even sent it to Parker and Stone, not knowing they were the creators. It was in almost indecipherable quality by that point, clearly a copy of a copy of a copy. Parker said he couldn't believe people were working that hard to see their creation. They felt like little rock stars. And suddenly, networks and television studios all wanted to meet with the guys behind the crude Coloradoan cartoon. So, with Graydon's help, they prepared their pitch for South Park, the TV show.
2: To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Airbnb. Posting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
0: Rayden, a Fox executive, on their side. Pitching the series to Fox felt like a natural fit. So Trey Parker and Matt Stone stood up in front of the network’s executives and began their pitch, detailing the premise of their irreverent series. South Park follows the misadventures of four ten-year- olds in the quiet, dysfunctional town of South Park, Colorado. Stan, Kyle, Cartman, and Kenny embark on buffoonish adventures that often satirize taboo topics like politics and religion. Topics other shows wouldn't touch with a ten-foot pole. Their pitch divided the room, those who were intrigued and those who were not. And both sides had misgivings. The executives that were interested in the pitch didn't like one character in particular. If you're a South Park fan, you may remember Mr. Hankey. If you've never seen South Park, well, Mr. Hankey is a sentient feces character. It was unpleasant, and they couldn't imagine putting such a character on TV. Meanwhile, the other side of the room had a completely different concern. Several executives said that no adult would ever watch a show about children, and no child would be allowed to watch South Park. There was far too much profanity. So, they declared, there was no audience. They suggested to Parker and Stone they make the parents of the children the lead characters, and pepper in some stories about the kids, or make the weight of each family member more evenly dispersed like the simpsons remember the simpsons was a fox show in 1996 the simpsons was heading into its ninth season averaging 15 million viewers per episode it had achieved the near impossible feat of being an animated series on primetime television it was a show for the whole family many crediting The Simpsons with being the first animated series to fully cross that intergenerational barrier. Parker and Stone had enormous respect for The Simpsons, but it appeared to be the only point of reference for the Fox executives. Yet, apart from being animated, the similarities pretty much stopped there. Taking the focus off the kids would mean upending the entire impetus behind the series. Foul-mouthed adults aren't ridiculous or necessarily funny. Kids, on the other hand, say whatever they want. That's why we laugh at them. But Fox put its foot down. If Stone and Parker didn't axe Mr. Hanky and adopt the Simpsons model, their pitch was rejected. <laughs> Next, Stone and Parker went to MTV, but the video channel turned them down. So they approached another network, but were rejected. Executive after executive feared the same thing, that viewers would find the cursing and crude humor offensive. And if they didn't find it offensive, they would be bored by the idea of watching children on TV. Their characters may have made for a funny Christmas video, but as a weekly series, it would never air. At this point, Parker and Stone were broke. They were splitting money for a donut before their next meeting, and every meeting, South Park was rejected. Little did they know, a copy of a copy of a copy of The Spirit of Christmas had just landed in the hands of a development executive across the country. Doug Herzog was the brand new president of Comedy Central, And one day, while sitting at his desk in Manhattan, his development executive burst into the room. She had in her hands a tape of The Spirit of Christmas and told her boss he simply had to see it. Herzog watched the short film. He paused, then said, I don't know if we can put that on TV, but we need to be in business with these guys. At the time, Comedy Central wasn't known for its original content. In fact, Herzog says the network had yet to reach 50 million homes. They were in the market for a hallmark show. So they flew Stone and Parker out to New York, and Herzog says he was impressed not only with their work, but with their personalities. They were unlike anyone else who'd walked through the door. So Herzog offered them the money to make a pilot of South Park. And if he liked it, they'd talk about making it a series. It was then that Brian Graydon decided to leave Fox and help Parker and Stone get their show off the ground. So the trio got to work. Over the following 70 days, Stone, Parker, and Graydon camped out at a studio in Denver, putting their pilot episode together— Some nights they even slept there. Graydon said it was an arduous process because any time there was a script change or a note, they had to cut out more construction paper to reanimate a scene. One change could take five days. When South Park's pilot was finally complete, Stone and Parker presented it to the Comedy Central executives. But they were, let's just say, disappointed. The show was even more controversial than the short film. And long form, it was even more shocking. So the network decided to put together a focus group. Participants screened the pilot, then were asked to rate the episode on a scale from one to 10. No one rated it above a three. Three people cried and everyone was offended. In that moment, Graydon realized he'd left his job for a show that was never going to see the light of day. In all his time at Fox, he'd never seen a worse focus group. Comedy Central was nervous, but they decided to offer Parker and Stone the opportunity to rework the episode. Several hours and countless construction paper cutouts later, they did, and despite the focus group tears, Comedy Central agreed to greenlight the pilot, along with five more episodes after that. Herzog said what he knew was that it was funny, but beyond funny, it was clever. He also knew Comedy Central had been struggling in the ratings, so he thought at least South Park would get them some attention, good or bad. Then, the night before the pilot was set to air, Herzog says he awoke in a cold sweat. He bolted up in bed and thought, wait, is it legal to put this on TV? Am I going to get arrested? The Pilot of South Park aired on August 13, 1997. Comedy Central had no marketing budget for the series, so Graydon figured they'd be lucky if 200,000 people tuned in. But just like with The Spirit of Christmas, he underestimated the numbers. The pilot episode brought in 889,000 viewers, and as the season progressed, that number would jump to 5.6 million. Just five weeks after the pilot aired, Parker and Stone were on the cover of Newsweek magazine. Comedy Central extended the first season to 13 episodes, then renewed them for another season, then another. They upgraded from construction paper to computer animation. And soon, South Park was being credited for putting the network on the map. Herzog, who'd previously come from MTV said South Park took off quicker, faster, and with more impact than any rock band he'd ever seen. It became Comedy Central's highest-rated comedy series for over 10 seasons. As of this recording, South Park just aired its 25th season, and in 2021, the co-creators inked a 900 million dollar deal with Viacom CBS to produce 14 films and air the series through its 30th season. Despite all the doubt, the focus group tears, the controversy, and the endless pleads by executives to change the heart of the show, Matt Stone and Trey Parker stayed true to their idea. And today, South Park, the show told it would never see the light of day, is one of the longest-running television series of all time.
1: When you have the power in your industry, you can strut. You can call the shots. When you've got the track record, you can dig your heels in. You can say it's my way or the highway. That's why the story of South Park is so fascinating. Trey Parker and Matt Stone had no power. They had been turned down by everybody in Hollywood. At that stage, it's easy to start feeling desperate. You can tell yourself that it's okay to make compromises if it means landing a deal. But Parker and Stone didn't do that. They refused to compromise their vision of South Park. They never wavered, even when Fox was dangling a deal in front of their noses. All they had to do was tone down the language, lose a character, and make the parents the stars instead of the kids. But Parker and Stone dug their heels in and said no. This is a remarkable moment, because they were flat broke— They were pooling their money to buy a single donut. But by holding out, by staying true to their dream, they finally met the right company who recognized the originality in their work. There's such an important insight here. You have to hold on to what makes you an outsider. It's not easy to do when you have no power. Feeling like an outsider often feels like you will always be left outside the door... Vending your art or your idea or your talent to please someone is so tempting. But soon, everyone smells the compromise and nobody wants to bet on you. Trey Parker and Matt Stone had no track record. They had no power. They had no juice. But they were just stubbornly true to themselves and went from splitting a donut to splitting a $900 million deal. To this day, Trey Parker and Matt Stone co write every single episode of South Park. They are outsiders kicking ass on the inside. That's why South Park is on Rolling Stone's list of the 100 greatest TV shows of all time. It would have never made that list if they had sawed the creative corners off their idea way back when they were broke. Never, ever, give up.
3: South Park. Episodes, 316. Emmy nominations, 18. Emmy Awards, 4. Academy Award nominations, 1. Follow your dreams and you can reach your goals. I'm living proof. Eric Cartman.
0: The Rejection Podcast is an Apostrophe Podcast production and is recorded in our Airstream mobile recording studio. This series is hosted and written by me, Sydney O'Reilly. Research, Allison Pinches. Director, Callie O'Reilly. Engineer, Jeff Devine. Producer, Debbie O'Reilly. Theme music by Ian LaFever and Ari Posner. Major sources for this episode are listed in the show notes on our website, apostrophepodcasts.ca slash rejection. Follow us on social at apostrophepod. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also like Short Stories in Television, Rejecting Annie Murphy, Squid Game, Matt LeBlanc, and The Queen's Gambit from Season 2. We regret to inform you, this series is executive produced by Terry O'Reilly. See you next time.